0: Hey everybody, welcome to Rust Belt Startup. This is a podcast that is uh, full of long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, educators, artists, people that are building unconventional lives in unconventional locations. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, coming to you live from quarantine in Utica, New York. I hope everybody's staying safe, washing their hands, staying inside, doing what they can do to, to help... Flatten the curve, mitigate this, uh, mitigate this pandemic, but hope you and your families and your loved ones are safe and that you're reaching out and connecting with folks uh, as much as you can. Uh, today on the podcast is a, re- a returning guest, uh, Mr. Arian Horbovitz who runs a podcast and a blog called The Urban Phoenix, and he's from Rochester, New York. And I've been listening to his podcast recently. He talks a lot about urbanism and how do we build better cities. And uh, one podcast in particular recently uh, really spoke to me when he was kind of talking about what cities might look like after this pandemic subsides. And I was a little bit bummed because it was a short podcast, and I said, no, 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 there's much more to talk about. And so I shot him an email and said, Arian, can we, can we talk about this more in depth? And so that's what we're doing today on the pod. It's a long form conversation with Arian. And uh, we get into kind of, you know, what's what's happening or what are some predictions, what are some things that may happen with cities, small cities in particular, after the COVID-19 pandemic subsides, and it will subside. So in this uh, in this podcast, we really kind of talk about urban planning Big cities versus small cities, the identity of cities. Last mile transport, we're both uh, 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 e- e-boarders, e-skateboarders. We talk about the impacts of remote work on the changing commercial real estate market and the impact of electric vehicles on cities. And tons of other stuff, tons of other space in between from bars and clubs to how people gather to placemaking. We, we kind of go all around urbanism and what may happen with small cities. Uh, if you want to lo- learn more about Arian, check him out at the Urban Phoenix podcast. And uh, this was a conversation that we we streamed live on Facebook as well, so the video is there. But this is the uh, this is my conversation, my second conversation on urbanism with Arian Horbovitz. So I guess th- th- this this conversation got prompted because I was listening to one of your one of your podcasts that was really kind of talking about. Um, I I can't remember the term that you, that you used, but it was kind of like, we're in this crazy time right now and looking at at like what happens when kind of these, this, this kind of, uh, you know, shelter in place is lifted, but Mm. what happens after that? And that I was like, I want to talk more about that. And so I just pinged you and I was like, this is a, this is the conversation I've been really wanting to have. So I don't have an agenda, but I just want to kind of go on this because um, that's something that has been incredibly fascinating to me. And I've been thinking a lot about it and reading a lot about it. And, um, you know, it now is the time I think we're still kind of fresh into this, everyone's kind of opining but nobody knows, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I, I, let me throw this to you in, in right out of the gate. Like what is, what is your, could you kind of truncate some of that for us and talk a little bit about what your kind of thesis is right now or some of the main questions that you're thinking about? About the
1: future, about when we move Yeah. What, what do cities yeah. look
0: like once this is, once the, <laughs> the wave is over? So I think we'll have, we'll have a reaction. We'll have this, we are going to we crave oh, interaction,
1: right? Oh my gosh, but we're going to hit bars over, and festivals and everything right. like that harder than we ever have. We're we're gonna we're going to explode out of our holes and you know in seek any kind of like you said any kind of human interaction, any kind of genuine uh, interaction with human beings. Uh, the bars that oh, God, I hate to even say this are left, uh, and the restaurants yeah. that are left after this after this they, they say this may take out like 75%, 80 percent. Of bars and restaurants which is just a horrifying thought um you know but the, what is left will be patronized i mean they could they could turn into a 24-hour thing yeah yeah <laughs> they really could and, and it's it's you're gonna see that you're gonna see that level of kind of human uh this that, that 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 stir craziness all just kind of explode under the scene i think you're gonna see that for a long time people are really you know even people that are usually at home are gonna make excuses to go out because they yeah. want to they want to do that again. You, know, you, you keep people from doing something, and then when they finally get to do it, well, they're going to do it. The question is not what happens after this, but what happens after that. Right. And that's what I'm truly curious about, because I think there's going to be two ways. I think there's going to be that, but I, I think that in the back of our minds, once that's gone, once we go back to a place of relative normalcy, how much of this time are we going to carry into that? Are we going to, to I mean, to be perfectly honest, I used to be one of those guys that went out all the time and I find myself doing that less and less. And even in this time to be perfectly honest, I've almost socialized more in this time yeah. uh, virtually of course um than than you know in the last 6 months. I've probably connected with more friends like genuinely connected even yeah. over like I said virtual conversations over Zoom or Google Duo or whatever um I've connected with people uh, as much or more doing this than, than I have, uh, than I have recently. Yeah. And uh, our, the question is, how are we going to be affected by this? Are we going to, you know, stay in and have conversations with our friends in the future, uh, or it's probably not going to be a black or white thing. It's probably going to be a, you know, it'll just be an increase or decrease in one thing or another, it's, you know, um, you know, nothing's going to be, everyone's just going to have all their conversations online now. It's, it's not going to be like that. But are we going to see maybe 20% of the people that used to go out to the bars, now they stay at home on a Friday night, uh, drink wine with their significant other and, and, and FaceTime with, you know, with 10 other people. Um, you know, is that more comfortable? Is that, that going to be what happens after the explosion outwards uh, of, of, of socialization after this? How much of this are we going to take with us? And I talk about this a lot in terms of public transit. It's interesting because cities and public transit are really taking it at the shins right now because uh, density and uh, has, has shown, although the data is mixed, has been shown to play a part in, in the transmission of this virus. Obviously, you're in a super dense area, uh, more people touching surfaces. You know if you're on public transit, you're touching handrails, you're touching doors, you're touching windows, other people um you know, the, the, the stigma that's going to linger. I think people are going to have this in the back of their mind. That they don't want this to happen again. And I'm really, really curious as to how people are going to approach the world a year or so after this is over. I won't say over after this is, you know, yeah, for the most subsided, part mitigated. Yeah. yeah. Subsided. Right.
0: And we're even hearing um, from friends that, um that, are in major cities across the country mm-hmm. that um, have decided we're getting the hell out of here. Sure. And they've gone to, you know, uh, family members, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, vacation homes, those kinds of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we don't blame them at, at all. No,
1: You know, no, of course not. You know, people, people want to be safe. You know, people want to feel secure and, and um you know, I've I've heard actually from a couple people in Utica who said that they've you know had encounters with people uh, from New York City who are up here with family or friends or whatever, just you know riding it out in a in a place uh, where New York's really being hit hard right now. Um, you know, with so much movement in a, in a major city like that, and also so many people coming in and out of it. Yeah, you know, not as many people are coming in and out of, in and out of Utica or Rochester. There are so many. Think of the flights that come in every day from all over the world. Uh, before just we stopped. even before right, but before we even knew this was an issue, you had right. people that were likely infected that didn't show symptoms coming in and out of this country, um, you know, all the time. And of course, they're going to go through New York. And, well, you know, uh,
0: I think to to kind of piggyback on this, um, you know, one of the things that. I wanted to ask you about, based on that that last podcast, and I, forgive me, I can't remember the name of, of the title of the podcast.
1: I can't either. It was like it's a couple days feed. ago. I can't remember. Six hours ago.
0: Um, but, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, Utica, just because that's my frame of reference, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're sure. Rochester-centric, Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... I was having this conversation with, with some folks over the summer where, you know, we're experiencing a very, it's a very interesting time to be here uh, yeah. because of growth. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we are going to need to start having the conversation um, around, does does Utica want to be a, a small, big city or a big, small city? Sure. And, y- y- you know, that's that's going to have to be a, a something that plays out because I think that um, – you know as we're seeing density in some ways be you know um the enemy right so to speak um mm-hmm. do you think that well and, and and i'll i'll go one step further right remote work and um uh you know, do you think that this is a giant opportunity and i hate to use the word opportunity for crisis <laughs> but but for smaller cities i mean is this going to be yes. a thing that is really going to supercharge smaller cities
1: now, like i said the, the the first of all the the data about density is mixed for for example the 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 narrative i think behind how this was initially transmitted um in in china was that it actually uh, a lot of the hotspots were small towns uh in in small municipalities not the big dense cities at first um and you know, even in New York City, some of the least dense areas in New York City are the places we're seeing the biggest hotspots. So density doesn't necessarily mean. Um, you yeah, causation is not, cor- yeah, not necessarily correlation. Not necessarily causation. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You're you're going to see uh, you're going to see you know pockets. You know, um, again, we have to look at two. We have to look, well, there's so many more cases in New York City. Well, there's just a lot of freaking people in New York City. Yeah. So I have I have yet to see a stat like per capita or per, per, per person per mile, you know, with regard to, you know, with regard to statistics and data. So before we kind of, you know, say density is is the thing, you know, we, we have to make sure that, that that's really the case, but people are going to, you know, obviously and logically equate density with transmission, sure. you know, especially in, in a major city. And just based on that, you know, whether that's true or not, it's people's perceptions are people's perceptions. So I think this is a great time for small cities. Um, I hate to say that in light of a of a of a pandemic that's that's you know costing you know tens of thousands of human lives. Um, but you know this, I think this is a, this kind of shows the adaptability of a smaller city. Uh, for example, uh, we hope. You know, we hope this remains to be hope, seen. By right, the way, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, in general, uh, if if things are kind of tighter and, and, and smaller, I think this is. I gave one example on a, on a recent podcast that I did um, the other day, and I said, you know, the nice thing about where we are is I can take my car. You know, we're we're shelter in place, of course. You know, and and that's that's important. But you know, we are certainly allowed to drive our cars out into the country. <laughs> Right. And, uh, and we did that. As we as did that today. As we, uh, yeah. As long as we stay, you know, six feet away from from anybody else who's around. But I can drive 10, 15 minutes in any direction from Rochester, which is a much bigger city than Utica and be in nature and, and be in a beautiful park or near a pond or or whatever. Um, you know, you can't do that in a big city like New York. You you have yeah. to go a long way and deal with a lot of crap before you get into something that resembles uh, a nature Um, I love public spaces. I love the parks that we have in our cities, but if those are full of people, well, that's probably not a good idea. Um, Whereas here I can go 10, 15 minutes, you know, tomorrow I'm going to take a long bike ride down the Erie Canal. And of course, again, practice safe social distancing is always very, very important to me. I give people 20 feet on the path, you know, like a long, wide berth, but, you know, we have that advantage. And I always say that very few people are either a hundred percent city or a hundred percent country. Mm-hmm. So the best part is in a place like Utica or even Rochester, you could have that blend of both. Um, you know, cities like ours are, are scalable, are adaptable, and that's that's a really really beautiful thing. I, I think that's a, for me. I think that's the real strength of small to medium sized cities right now.
0: Yeah, I was I was doing um, one of the. the side side gigs that i do i also uh produce a podcast for um john zogby the, the pollster and um mm-hmm. so he does we do a weekly i'm not on it i'm just the i'm just the producer i'm the audio guy but um, cool. yeah you know, one of the things that i've been hearing from him and 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 really uh, especially i you know i'll 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 say it i was a, i was a uh not a hardcore uh member of the the yang gang but like um <laughs> but you know but love, andrew like yang it. you know yeah. um um looking at this pandemic as um an accelerant in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways right so we're, we're, i think sure. um cities in particular and 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 countries i think are you know these bold ideas hopefully mm-hmm. once things subside should be on the table right. um from small cities to large cities to yep. to nation states everything from mm-hmm. from ubi uh, universal basic income to um you know i think how we're going to uh uh how how cities are going to change, right? And mm-hmm. so when when we're talking about the the growth of small cities, I guess the opportunity for s- small cities. Um, do you have any any thoughts on how how best to have big and bold conversations around things such as placemaking, such as? um, parking, right. Like is a, is a, yeah. is a big thing yeah. here. And, Huge. uh, you know, thinking about, um, you know, I know you're, you're a big e-boarder. I am also an e- oh, e-boarder. love it. Love um, it. What you are know, you making, again? I, so I have, this is a, uh, uh, it's a knockoff. Um, it's a knockoff boosted board, but okay. it's, uh, it's, it was a, it was a kicks. It was an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, and it was a company out of Canada called juiced yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, was boards, like, yeah. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it's a juice board. And it was yep. like a third of the price of a boosted board. Yeah, And sure.
1: uh, it's great I was about to buy a Meepo. Yeah. Cause it's, cause oh, boosted went out of business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was so disappointed. And I wanted to own a booster board, but, but I got this and it is uh, without a doubt, my favorite way to travel is just being on an <laughs> electric longboard, you know?
1: Absolutely. Oh, got so you got it, right oh, you,
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> You know, but so the downside to that, and, and talking to my friends that that are um are bikers and if we're trying to attract mm-hmm. um millennials, Gen Z to urban shore, sure. um, you know, that last mile mobility is a thing that we care about. Um it is. how do you you know, how do you start? I guess how do you have any any ideas or have you seen anyone that's done a really good job in kind of galvanizing a movement or starting a conversation that's substantive around Last mile mobility and really kind of transforming the urban core for more pedestrian and and uh, and and electric.
1: Yeah, I I think you know there's there's a lot of cities that are that are doing a great job. Um, You know, small cities, uh, you know, and and mid-sized cities, large cities, of course, kind of do their own thing. But you know, I think for a city the size of Utica, for example, uh, you know, sixty thousand people. Sometimes it's hard when you have a city that's not tremendously dense. It's a little bit small. Um it, you know, Utica has not been known for, you know, as a, as a place that's going to, you know, necessarily maybe up until recently, as I think people are starting to open their eyes to, you know, the the, the great things that Utica has and is, you know, is growing. Um, it's not really been that place that, you know, that place that millennials are kind of drawn to. Right, right. <laughs> and that hasn't been on the table. Um, again, I think that's changing. I really, really do. And uh, it's just going to take time. But, you know, the, 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 the method I love to changing people's mind is just to practice tactical ur- urbanism. And that's the idea of you can temporarily close a part of a street. You can temporarily um, close a row of parking spaces and put a bike lane there just for a day, just for a Sunday and, and, and show what that's like, what that feels like, show a community what that feels like. Um, to You know, when you do something like that, you can temporarily set up a pop-up park on a small side street that has, you know, a 400 traffic count a day, you know, on a Sunday and, and set up an event there and show people, you know, look, this is there, – there's two parts to this. There's executing it, which – you know, if you do it right, it's, it's, it's not that, that difficult to convince people, Hey, maybe a couple of times in, in a summer, we really shut down the streets. It really doesn't go anywhere. And, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, on a Sunday or a Saturday night or something like that and, and see what happens. And then you activate it and then you, you find some event or something to do, or maybe a lo- you know, a couple of local businesses can come in and, and get some live music. You can get some food trucks in there and, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, and, and then you, you capture that, you capture that energy. Maybe you get somebody taking some video, taking some photos, you, 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 you push that out there as a community. And, and if you're interested in, in placemaking and things like this, you make sure that you capture the energy around this event. Um, and then you use that, you, know, you, you, you kind of keep taking steps. You, maybe you do that a couple of times in the same space and you say, hey, look, this is what happens every time we close this little strip yeah. of street down. Um, things happen. Uh, you can talk to local business owners and, and, you know, get their take and say, Hey, you know, when we close the street down and, and do some cool things with it, people, people show up, people eat at my restaurant or people shop at my shop.
0: Do you um, think that placemaking's got a, um, uh, is it too, or I mean, in, this is all just conjecture. It's all our opinions, sure, right? But that's why yep. I, I love jamming with you on this. Like, yeah. do you think placemaking, is going to, or the, the act of placemaking and the things that go into making a, a good place is, are going to change after this? Because are we going to looking for spaces to be together alone or alone together, so to speak, um, you know, in, in an urban
1: environment? I think I think we're going to, I think we're going to go back to still wanting to be around people. I really do. I really believe that we're, we're you know, and I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm just saying the, 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 the breadth of the, the most people are going to go back to their normal well, lives. I think we're wired that way. We're, we're pack animals. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Where I think they're going to be a little bit iffy. And I worry so much about public transportation because I'm mm-hmm. such a public transportation advocate. I'm on the board of an organization called Reconnect Rochester that advocates for smart transportation uh, transit, public transit in our, in our community. And, uh, and I write about it a lot because people don't realize that, you know, it's a huge community resource. It's like the, the most important piece of equity in our communities mm-hmm. in making sure people of all socioeconomic incomes, whether they have a transportation choice or whether this is their only choice, um, it, it gives everybody equal op- – well, somewhat equal op- you know access to jobs and yeah. resources. Um, obviously, a bus is not going to get you there as fast as a car and, you know, in most cities. but. Um, you know, so my worry is it's really in those tight spaces, right? It's if you're out in a park and, and, yeah, uh, nobody cares. You know, if, you know, if you're out in public space, I don't think, I don't think that's going to change. I think people are going to love festivals. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to hit that, whatever. I think it's the surfaces. I think people are going to think now every time they put their hand on a, on a handrail in a subway car in New York City. I think every time, you know, somebody pushes up against you, you know, trying to get out a door, um, you know, maybe concerts take a hit. I don't know. Uh, uh, but if you're just talking about kind of a a space where everybody's just kind of milling around and there's plenty of space to kind of kind of move around one another, I think people are going to be fine. I worry about places where you are physically touching a lot of surfaces. Um, and and public transit for me is I think that thing that's, it's going to take a little bit of a hit. We were starting to push the idea that public transit is for everyone. Not just you know, in so many of our cities, the impression is that it's for poor people. Right. Well, <laughs> no, public right. transit is a wonderful resource for all of us, and it's a wonderful resource for our planet, uh, for our communities, for equity, uh, um, for our local economy. I mean,
0: especially if you get it right, right, and it's right, not easy exactly, to get it right. right? Um, but
1: even if you don't, it's there, and if people yeah. are using it, that's that's more people that are able to get to their jobs and to access resources that couldn't before. Um, you know, so that is my fear is we've, we've really, really come a long way in getting people of all walks of life interested in, in in buying into the fact that public transit is really good for our communities and that all of us can utilize public transit, um, that it can be efficient if done well, like you said. And, and, and now I think people that have a choice are not going to make that choice Mm -hmm. as much as that, that, that kind of, ramp up of people saying, you know, I'm going to choose public transit, I think you're going to see that take a dive again. Yeah. No, um, I would agree with you. But as far as public spaces, I think people are going to want to get out there and, and explore that. Uh, they're going to they're going to they may need public space more than ever after this, as long as it yeah. gives as long as you have space, <laughs> as long as it's spacious and outdoors. And, and I don't think people are going to uh, react very negatively to that.
0: You know, I, I was having a. This was a, a while ago. I had this one of these podcasts in the can that I've just I got to do something with. But um, no I was talking with um, a, a, a friend of mine, Chris Henry, who's, an, who's a he's a landscape architect, urban planner. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, and it, it's funny because he he just had a baby when we started. Well, his wife oh, had a baby wow. when when they. This was now like a year ago, and I still haven't put the episode on. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> it, coming. Um, it happens. But, it does. but the cool part about it, like we we totally left you know went off the rails talking about. Um, uh, you know, what happens when the connected car, like that's going to happen, man. Like mm-hmm. that, you know, and I think, um, I guess on the bringing it kind of back to this, uh, pandemic crisis, one of the things that I, I, I hope is, um, uh, laid bare and, and, and evident to everyone is how quickly things change from, yeah. um, you know, from a societal perspective, but also I think, um, how, how quickly, uh, technology and everything, when, mm-hmm. when forced, we adapt. And so when you start to talk about things like, uh, this is, I think, I think what Chris and I were talking about, it's like when, when you start to have this debate around parking spaces, to mm-hmm. me, I think it's the wrong conversation because I'm thinking like, well, intended, to, you know, my daughter's going to be four in June. Mm-hmm. And I, i i tell everyone that I still believe this. I do not believe she's ever going to need to learn how to drive. I right. think by the time she's 16, 20 years old, the connected yeah. car will be a thing. And whether that's mm-hmm. owned and autonomous or on-demand transportation, mm-hmm. that completely changes um, what we need to use density for, yeah. uh, for parking. And so mm-hmm. why are we having this discussion? Because it's going to be here before, you know, and I recognize right. we've, we've only been it's, been, it's been 10 years, 10 years ago and right. 10 years, 20 years ago. Right. But sure. I think we're, we're getting there. You know, and mm-hmm. so what does a city look like when I don't have to park where it's going to be, even if I own the car, if it's going to drop me off, and I summon it, and it comes back, mm-hmm. um, and charging infrastructure, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. we just, I don't know, if, I don't know if I told you, but uh, in November, my wife, we went electric, so. Um, oh, nice. Great. And we love it. Oh, my God, like, awesome. my dream car is a Tesla sure above my tax bracket at the moment <laughs> uh you know probably for a while me too but uh <laughs> but you know that's an amazing uh that's an amazing car we ended up um buying a, a chevrolet bolt and uh it is a tremendous Do you love it oh my god it's awesome you know it's a smaller mm-hmm. car but there's there's so many things about it that um that you know the, the best way to get over the range anxiety is to just buy an electric car and, like, you figure yeah, it out, right? Like, true. my dad yeah. bought one about yeah. a month ago to the same car. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we put that charger in our house, a, a 220, where it'll charge mm-hmm. overnight, right? It's, it's unbelievable. And so, yeah. you know, charging infrastructure is going to be a thing with, with yep. cities when we're thinking about parking spaces. and Right. I don't know what the question is here. I guess it's like you know, if you're thinking about urbanism and the next ten years, sure. are cities thinking about this, or, or oh, is, gosh, is yeah. this going to be done? Is this going to be done by force when it's like, oh shit, there's <laughs> fifty thousand electric cars on the road. What do we do? Or autonomous right. cars? What do we do? Or are they thinking ahead?
1: Yeah, they, they are. Um, there's a lot of conversation about that, and oh, there's a lot to... Forgive the cliche. No, it's a, that's, there. no, that
0: was like a twenty-minute <laughs> so lead-in question.
1: Let's start with autonomous vehicles. The thing I always say about you know I, being an urbanist, and and for for anybody that's you know watching or listening or whatever that that really doesn't know what the central tenet of urbanism is, it is the, the number one thing we talk about is the fact that while we all, while most of us love our cars, um, they the automobile has been over-prioritized, especially in our cities. Um, you can really link almost every problem with our cities and with our suburbs uh, to the proliferation of the automobile. Um, Give me it the, is the It is the number one CO2 polluter on the planet, the automobile, okay, we know that. Uh, our road structure has been so overbuilt because we want to get everywhere we can, we want we can fast, and want yeah. to as fast as we humanly can. Well, we don't realize how much money that costs our our local, state, and federal governments. Um, we are we are the reason we can't pay for stuff in large part is because we have to pay for roads and bridges. And b- by the way, we're not close to paying for what we right. need to pay for. It as you drive down the throughway or any pretty much anywhere and see our bridges crumbling, right? Nobody has. Any idea how much it takes? We're just going to gonna privatize it, it all. Don't worry
0: about it. They'll take itself, right? <laughs> of course privatize it's it. going to take
1: care of everything. Um, the McDisney
0: are... Coke Throughway,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, when we build, especially in our cities, um, cars and cities are a terrible mix. So um, you know, when we talk about cities, the things that make cities great and make them amazing places, uh, even cities that have taken you know fell, fallen on extremely hard times, like Utica, like Rochester, the the, the efficiency. Uh, spatially, of a city is just far greater uh, than a suburb. We've subsidized suburban living through the building of uh, roads, uh, through uh, loans. I could go for days on this subject. But uh, cities have, you know, fallen in large part because we made them extremely easy to leave and to drive around and to drive through without actually hitting the streets. Utica is a great example Mm -hmm. of this. Yeah. Um, you have arterials. You have, you have, you have kind of <laughs> roadways that really, really disconnect your city. And most people don't even know this. Don't, most people don't even re- realize this. Um, what we find is when you uh, – here in Rochester, we removed – or we're slowly removing you know, our inner loop, which is a right. kind of a right. moat around our city. It's an expressway around our city. And anytime you talk about these urban highways – they built these in the 1950s to about the 1980s. And every single time they mowed them right through uh, a low income neighborhood, yep. typically uh, black neighborhoods. Um, and so there's, there's a tremendous, uh, you know, that's
0: the,
1: you know, hundreds of thousands of people in these, you know, low, low wage neighborhoods uh, were displaced because they were thought they were solving blight and putting up a, you know, a, a, a yeah. expressway through them. So, the automobile, in general, is something we actually try to minimize. So when we talk, when when we're talking about electric cars, we're talking about self-driving cars. We're still talking about cars. We're mm-hmm. still talking about turning a hundred and eighty pound, hundred and seventy pound, hundred and two, two hundred and twenty pound, whatever person into a twenty-seven hundred to five thousand right. pound vehicle uh, that takes up way more space than we will. Usually, ninety-nine percent of the time, ever need, and that really, really conflicts with what cities do best and that's stay small, stay tight, and and stay dense. Um, that's why we we push so hard for public transit. That's so. What do you What do you think
0: about uh, uh, the self-driving tech and and EV stuff? Do you think that's you know, it, it's wh- what are you car. thinking? Yes, yeah. it's, it's okay. Still sure, going,
1: it's it's still going to lead to congestion. I mean, every. You know, we, when, when economists really look at this, you know, we're going to have the same traffic jams. We're going <laughs> mm-hmm. if, to, if there's, if there's, the yeah, we're still cars, all moving at the same time. The question, right. the really interesting question with self-driving cars and something that this epidemic, that this pandemic may have an effect on is nobody really knows whether this is going to play out such that you own your own self-driving car or right. whether it acts like a oh, driverless Uber or Lyft, yeah. right? Like you, you dial it up in your phone and it comes to get you. It will probably be the latter. It yeah, will so probably too. be the latter because it makes sense when, you know, instead of selling you a car, Ford Motor Company is going to have, they're going to own their fleet much well, like Cadillac Lyman does it Bird too right whatever. now. It, uh, like sure. I mean,
0: Cadillac does it with a, I think it's like a thousand dollars a month, but it's mm-hmm. every month you swap out yeah. for whatever car you want. Yeah.
1: Every, everything's going to a, to a, to a, a subscription, yeah, right? a, a, yeah. a paid service. So you're going to pay a certain amount of money every month and then, regardless of how much you utilize this thing. And it's going to be great. People are going to go, oh, it's awesome. I don't have to worry about getting my oil changed anymore, my registration right. or anything like that. But you're going to pay out the nose for this service. And you know, here's the thing. if, if Yes, these vehicles are going to use more efficient routes. Yes, they're always going to know where the other vehicle is. Yes, that's, that's all true. But if you have way more cars than, than than should really actually be on the road, you're still going to have the same problems. And you know, as much as I love you know, getting to a, switching over to thinking about electric cars, the problem with electric cars is unless we're creating the energy that they're using with sustainable energy instead of uh, coal, instead sure. of oil, sure. you know, you you still have basically the same problem.
0: You're <laughs> no, that's a, that's a reasonable critique. That's a reasonable yeah.
1: critique, and it's it's um, not it's, it's not you know it's, it's a great it's a step it's a great yeah. step it is, but it's not solving the problem. The real solution to transportation problems within our city is great transportation, and like you said, uh, you know the the kind of the the proliferation of lot, last mile options. Uh, bike share is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, having great bike facilities, bike infrastructure. Not everybody's going to bike. I get that, yeah. but if you can if you can turn one percent of people biking to work every day into something like Minneapolis, which by the way is one of the coldest cities in the nation, yeah. has like they, they're like seven point three people bike.
0: Now we have some friends that just moved to back to Utica from Minneapolis. They lived there yeah. for like ten years and yeah. they bike. It's everywhere. insane! It's yeah. insane!
1: Yeah, um, you know, if you can make that change, that's a big difference. I mean, that's really uh, that's 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 a. That's a step. I mean, that's a what do you big think one. about
0: about the kind of the decentralized nature of of companies like Bird uh, and things like that? You know, I mean, there's on, on the one hand that is kind of democratizing that last mile mobility. Sure. Um, on the other hand, people are stupid um, and cities aren't. <laughs> I'm just saying in, in terms of like yeah. you know their ability to ride safely, bring a helmet, um, uh, uh, and and you know a lot of cities are not built to 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 accommodate those and then you know what one of the things that that has been a real problem in cities like San Francisco and again probably these these may be outlying cases is you know the, the e-waste that they just kind of it's just sure. left everywhere right um, right so in in your um in your opinion, is is this, is this, you know, the decentralized last mile, something that that the city should be looking at for on, a, on a public transit level, or maybe, maybe a municipality runs the bird of whatever it is, or is it everyone owns an e-bike, an e-scooter?
1: Well, I have an e-scooter sitting in front of me. I have, by the way, I have all my, like, I have a skateboard, an electric skateboard, and an e-scooter, like right down here. Like, I can't. yeah. Um, so I, I own my own stuff, like, cause I'm a freak that way like i, I love this stuff it, i eat it up i think it's a lot of fun no oh, me too um, man it's great but, you know yeah yeah um you know convincing you know most of the rest of the world to get out of their car and uh, um and 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 do this instead is a, is a stretch i get it uh-huh. you know we're never listen we're never going to do away with cars we're never going to come close to doing away with cars unless some unless like the star trek transporter is invented hyperloop um, <laughs> But there's there's still cars. There's issues I have about that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, really, when we talk about cities, especially, we have to stop thinking bigger, faster, and start thinking smaller and 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 more sustainable. That's the only way we're going to really bring our cities back to where they should be. Because talking about scooters, having that conversation about scooters, why are scooters such a problem? It's because if you look back at old like early 1900s footage of cities, right? People are in the streets. There's people, right. there's wagons, there's slow-moving, the first slow-moving cars, right? There's trolleys, there's trams, there's there's like... It was Grand Central. People figured forms. it out, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like f- so many different forms of transportation using a major street. Um, but none of them changed. going
0: 30 to 40 miles an hour.
1: Right, right. But the fact is, people no matter how people wanted to or could get around, they could at a similar speed. People could, you know, access the the store down the street or the job around the corner, uh, you know, regardless of of what form of transportation they used, about the same, (laughs) you know? So that's what you saw. And eventually, um, through a lot of campaigning by the oil companies and auto manufacturers, they basically removed people from the streets and made them places only for cars. So the only reason I always say that scooters are such a, a hazard and such an issue is because scooter riders want to do what what pedestrians, what cyclists, whatever, they just don't want to die from a car. <laughs> right,
0: right. So they ride That's on everybody. sidewalks. Yeah. So yeah.
1: they leave their stuff on sidewalks. The, the sidewalk littering sucks, but that has a lot to do with the fact that Bird and Lime and all these companies just basically dumped dropped it, drop yeah. their stuff down and, and without any plan. And, and that's how yeah. they generated interest is, sure, is they, they, sure. they, they dropped it in and then figured out the rest later. Now you're seeing scooter company come along and work more with municipalities, which is what really should have happened in the first place. Um, you know, that that's, that's obviously a big issue, but I think the really, really big issue here is the fact that everyone's just trying to compete in our cities, especially with cars for space. If you had more space for people, scooters, bikes, whatever, uh, and less space for cars. For example, Genesee Street does not need to be four lanes. It is absolutely ridiculous that that still is four lanes. Well, you did, there was a blog post that you said,
0: uh, I've sent this to like over a dozen people now. There was a post that you did where I think you colored in all of the parking spaces versus buildings in, in downtown Utica. And I was shocked.
1: It was shocked it was the the amount of it was about the amount of space dedicated to cars in particular. Yeah. So it was most of our cities uh, are. Ma- yeah, I shouldn't say parking spaces,
0: parking lots.
1: Parking lots, right? Right. Most of our cities are are something between like twenty and fifty percent parking, yeah. or, or roads are dedicated to cars. That's, I mean, when you think about it, that's that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. you That's an economic liability for your community. Okay, well, so then if you can reduce that economic liability and turn that into something that actually activates the community or brings in uh, tax revenue for that community, then let's build around that. Let's have an area where, right now, let's say you're Utica, have a place, have one central place or a couple places scattered where you can park uh, cars, have a garage or whatever, and then you know, and not mm. worry about the rest. And it, hey, if you got to walk a quarter mile, guess what? You're There's your steps your for the day, day. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's right. you know, I, I get it. Sometimes that's tough, but, uh, you know, make that, make that walk a, a great experience or connect people with public transit and, and, you know, and really stop utilizing our cities just to park and drive cars and turn them into places where, uh, uh, you know, that, that actually, you know, are filled with things that people really want to do. And, and let I me think piggyback on since, that. Yeah.
0: You know, because one of the things that I've been I've been thinking a lot about and and and, and uh, especially in the last three, th- you know, three, I've been now remote three weeks and and working with businesses in in my role at, at Think and, and trying to figure this whole thing out. Mm. Um, you know, there's going to be um, a lot of companies that go through this remote work um, I don't want to call it an experiment. It's just this this
1: this uh, it's a good way of thinking about it. It kind of is almost
0: you know, for a lot of A forced so experiment. It's a forced experiment. Yeah. There's gonna yeah. be a lot of people that go through this and are gonna come out the other side and go, holy shit, that worked. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And and uh, I think the right. the 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 implications for that are are mm-hmm. we can't even begin to understand that yet. I think you're right. But, but I gotta um, and and by the way, some of it will not work, without a mm-hmm. doubt, right? Um, uh, I've been on the phone with uh, a couple of different larger CEOs of larger companies that are mm-hmm. once having a great experience. One mm-hmm. is like, yeah, so, so, but, um, <laughs> but the, the reality is I think there's going to be some degree of uh, you, you talk about how much of the available land mass is dedicated to cars, right? Well, so mm-hmm. let's flip that to, how much of a uh, company or business's budget is dedicated to space and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And I think people are going to, when we're out of this, they're going to take a hard yeah. look at that and yes. go, why do we need all of this office space? And so yeah. to me, that starts this, this cascade effect for better or worse of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would be really watching commercial real estate right now. Um, yeah. in terms of lo- you know, long-term implications. What does that mean for a downtown? What does that mean for walkability? Right. Right. Because there's going to be companies that are just going to go, you know what, we're, gonna, we're just we're going to leave it. We're digital we're out.
1: We're out. Because it's going to happen for some people, um, not for all. Imagine, imagine if you know, a couple of the high-end restaurants uh, in, here in Rochester, or maybe one of them in Utica, all of a sudden said, you know what, we did pretty well with, with our high-end takeout. Dude, you right now, Tim is
0: doing a virtual <laughs> dinner with 200 people.
1: Oh, come on.
0: I swear to God. Are you So serious? he partnered – so Tim Hardiman, uh, yeah, Taylor and Cook yeah. Is, a, is a friend of both of ours, and, and he uh, partnered with other restaurants, and they did a uh, tasting menu to go. And then <laughs> he's brilliant. got a, a sommelier – uh, yeah. and and him and they and they did a live stream of uh taking you through the courses and i think he's got over 200 people doing this tonight it's, it's incredible
1: is joe yeah. making cocktails live or i think joe's you know?
0: involved in some way <laughs> i don't i'm not sure to be. <laughs> but but you know like that's but this is this is a, a real yeah. thing
1: right yeah. you know i think that's such a huge point i i think that's the one thing i think that's the big thing that's going to come out of this is you're right. There's if if you're a business, I don't care how big or small you are. Right now, you better be crunching numbers to look at how much space do you really need? Whether it's parking, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, you know, restaurant space, whether it's office space, whether it's desks, laptops, whatever. How how over infrastructure do you realize through all this that you are? Yeah. And I think that's going to be a curious spot for cities because this infrastructure exists. It's not going anywhere. You can't. You can't just. You, you know. You can't knock down a couple of buildings that, right. that all of a sudden people have shrunk down and pull everything closer together. Um, this, the, I think you hit it on the head. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to see because that affects see. everything. It that affects, affects downtown everything.
0: restaurants. That affects social. That affects bars. Everything.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything. The question is, how much are we? um okay from, from from talking just strictly like restaurant and bar scene how are we going to get comfortable with this or are we going to want to break out of this so badly we want to just go back to our normal lives i don't know yeah, <laughs> like, i don't know it's i could flip a coin um but you know somewhere hindsight's 2020 and somebody's going to be going well you know we should have seen this coming obviously you know everyone's just going to stay home now or do
0: night. restaurants just get less dense? For example, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a whole yeah. other thing. And you got to, you got to do that equation on on pricing mm-hmm. and all that, but like density, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to go, I can't go to, um, you know, a place where I'm going to be on top. Maybe I can't go to some place where I'm going to be on top of everyone. Right. Right. That, that's right. Possible. Sure. 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 But then when you see, you know, when these things start to happen and they will, you know, one of the things that I'm also kind of curious about is, does, does the decentralization of, of, work which we're seeing right now decentralization of education decentralization of you know mm-hmm. telemedicine all this stuff mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that going to also result in um you know we, we talked earlier about um people want people you know and, yeah. and like it we i've been living people. through this thing yeah. this screen and it's been wonderful but i do miss people and, and you need um yeah, brian eno uh did you ever read did you ever read any austin cleon's books by, by any chance no i have not okay. no so he's uh, one of my know, favorite know, 300, 300 authors for these like tiny yeah. little books. One is called yeah. "Steal Like an Artist." The second one is "Show Your Work," and the third is called "Keep Going." But in "Show Your know, Work," show
1: your work, yeah, yeah, no show author. your work
0: yeah. is um, he talks about the idea of a genius where um, there there are no geniuses. What you need is a place for geniuses to get to gather and basically like for ideas to have sex, um, so <laughs> that they can germinate, right? And and places sure. is, is a component of that. And so what you know, for me, what I'm wondering is. Um, and would love your, your take on this, is, is as we get to the decentralization of, of work, are we going to see more of the decentralization of space where, for example, I can do my job here with you know, what I do, uh, but you know, when I start to get lonely, need people, there are several, and we'll just call them co-working spaces for right now, mm-hmm. right? That you sure. go to to get that personality fix based on whatever your criteria is right like is that mm-hmm. are we going to now see the the to use the 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 curve bend towards yeah. the decentralization of work and co-working i think we might <sighs> I i'm think not it's asking you change. to like to put a stake yeah, in the ground but it's, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to think of it's a great thought experiment
1: it, it really is and this is i mean this is the stuff i love to think about this stuff i i know you do too i know yeah. this is kind of you know what I, I How love do we get Macro. paid to
0: think about this stuff that would be oh, awesome gosh, I know seriously
1: it's it's because it's so cool that's why we can't get paid I think that's the I think that's the piece um, <laughs> um, you know I I think you're right I think I think there's gonna be you know just I think especially major employers right now they've got somebody running the numbers they've got somebody yeah. running the numbers on on all this that has some insane mathematical model that you know they're they're pulling you know, the guys that usually run stats for major league baseball now that that's right. become such a, you know, such a metric based thing, you know, now they're doing, you know, okay, how many employees do we really need at the office? How many employees do we really need? When you're talking about that, yeah, you're talking about the, cha- you know, <laughs> one of the big things about, you know, urbanism over the like past 15 years has been mixed use. You've heard mixed, yeah. use. Oh, mixed yeah. use development, right? So you have uh, offices, apartments, on 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 the top and then retail restaurant whatever on the bottom um this may just completely throw a wrench in that you know because you know these spaces are typically on the large side um yeah. you know because they're bases of you know multi-story buildings um you know and like you said our are, are, are restaurants bars what are they going to need the, the the space uh that they used to and i I don't know. I, I think that's definitely, definitely going to change. Um, I think something, somebody's going to come along and do something really, really creative with space that you just can't mimic on the internet. I, I, I really, really do. Um,
0: well, that's the only thing I think is going to, going to be. Uh, that's, that's where what's going to be left of retail. I think one of sure. the casualties of this and the accelerant is this. I think most retail is dead. And, I, I, and, agree. I uh, think
1: that's, i I said this before. I think this is as far as yeah. stores.
0: Stores. I think on, the, the malls, exception malls to me is like, um, yeah, I mean, the, the exception malls, to malls me are, are, uh, are, are stores that um, you think of, um, oh God, what is it? Uh, restoration hardware, experiential, retail sure. i think sure. is going to survive sure. yeah yep. uh the, sure. the cost to make that happen is giant mm-hmm. but i think experience or retail will survive but that's
1: probably uh, my thinking but, but, is that's it but that's that's what's been happening over the last 10 years anyway sure. I mean, but this is have, the accelerant yeah this is this is the thing this is the nail in the coffin i think for retail you know and i don't want to say that i i i have we have so many great shops like wonderful sure. um artisan shops here in in rochester and i have I have all the hope and and I, I, I support them to the nth degree because they're good people. Same with Utica. I, yeah. I love everyone involved, and I don't mean to speak badly about the future of retail, but the, the truth is, I think this is the chance for even even if you're selling locally made, art, you know, artisan products, you know, art, uh, crafts, yep. you know, even if you're a shop like that. You know, right now you're running. An, you're probably going to online selling. Well, you're and, right. And, you and you seeing that if that's is not against completely your overhead dead. that you pay for that. You know, nice, yeah. nice. Uh, you know, window front. Uh, you know, place but that you they, just hit on that. So the, the storefront
0: there. part as yeah. your as your as the the lion's share of your mm-hmm. earnings that's gone.
1: It's it going to be gone. It is. It is. Um, okay. the thing that I'm kind of curious about, and I I, I wonder about. Uh, bars and restaurants. Are people going to come out of this? <laughs> How do I say this? Um, uh, I th- I wonder if people are going to come out of this drinking more or less. So another so we, we got want liquor go store delivery uh, oh, wait, uh, last week. You know, I don't, yeah. yeah, yeah, I've done that twice so far because I I love my bourbon. I got a little bourbon and soda right here. So got my gin right uh, here. We're yeah, good. there you go. <laughs> the, the beauty of doing this uh, remotely, yeah. right? Um, and after hours, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, i I think I think people I think people I think bars are going to be okay. I mean, I think they're going to take a monster hit, but I think going back to it, I think you're going to just see those pop mm-hmm. right back up. I think restaurants are going to change. I don't necessarily think they're going to go away. I think they're going to change. I think you're going to see a lot more takeout. You're going to see mm-hmm. that be an option. You're going to see like a separate takeout entrance. Like if oh, people wait, don't want to experiential
0: takeout, ex- I think will be experiential
1: a thing. takeout. Exactly. The, the, the creativity I'm seeing with the, with the with the takeouts is is kind of amazing. There's a the, um, uh, there's a pizza shop in, in Canadagua near me that is giving out a free roll of toilet paper with, I saw that. with pizza. Yeah. Freaking yeah. amazing. Um, you know, so I just, uh, silly stuff like that, but that's yeah. like, yeah, people are, that's the stuff people go like, yeah, I'm going there
0: again, you know? Um, well, let me, let, know, let I, me flip the script. Oh no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. No,
1: I was going to say, but, but I, I think it's, it's, I think that, you know, the, the, the pop-in shop, Unless unless it is nestled in a series of other, like you said, experiential activators, um, I I think I think it's I think it's going to be tough to do that anymore. But like you said, you, you talked about the the experiential takeout, the experiential restaurant if you are going to see anything go in these places where they're maybe used to the office space or used to be this, or that, like you said, it's got to be experiential. It's got to be something that makes you feel or or have a a connection with something that is completely different than anything that you can do online, uh, that you can do from home, or even that you could have done before uh, in that space. So people are going to have to get real creative. And I mean, more creative than axe throwing
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: about about yeah. how to how to turn your senses about how to how to twist your senses and, and, and turn you on
0: and that's not cheap necessarily it's not cheap actually and it's know, a big risk before i pivot to um one of the last areas i wanted to talk to you about just in mm-hmm. in respecting your time i could i mean i could do this all night oh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm i got nothing yeah, to do just
1: um Short on booze, but yeah,
0: sure. that's I know. I'm, I'm I gotta I have to reload on this. <laughs> we might uh, have to
1: take a two minute break.
0: I guess two two things. Well, well before yeah. the, the kind of maybe larger picture conversation yeah. is, um, uh, as we're talking about experiential um, dining, experiential takeout, experiential, you name it. Mm. Uh, I guess two two thoughts on this. One, um, I guess you, you know when when you think when I think about that anyway, I always. For me, the gold standard, two gold standards. One is, is Tim's place at Taylor. Uh, uh, Nola and Clinton is a gold standard. And then yes. out by you, have you ever been to FLX table?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That ripped my face mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. in terms of an experience, you know, and for, that for folks that have never man. been there, it's a restaurant with one table. Yep. And you go and you have this, <laughs> and, you, and you don't get to pick what, what's on them. It's whatever they're cooking that mm-hmm. night. Yep. And it's paired, with, it's paired with wine or beer, uh, five course tasting menu. And yep. you are there with, you know, there's a table of what, 14? 14, I think, 14, like 14 I think, yeah. And uh, it's price fixed. And it mm-hmm. was absolutely one of the best dining experiences yeah. I've ever had mm-hmm. in my entire life. I want to try to get them for the podcast to talk about yep. about that. But that to me is experiential dining. Taylor sure. Cook is experiential dining.
1: Yeah. Um, you know. If you go to, um, I, uh, the, over the last summer, I visited, uh, my, my friend, Cam, uh, Cam Bird. He's an outstanding guy, but he was doing, um, uh, like a fellowship in, um, uh, in Chicago where I was born by the way. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my town. I love it. Um, and he took me to this place. Um, there's a, there's kind of this exploding village there, uh, that's just west of the, of the downtown. And so we, you know, we pop, we go to the L, we pop up, you know, and, and, uh, so we, we went to a, you know, a genuine speakeasy, which, you know, mm-hmm. other places are doing this too. I know Wakely's really tried to do that in, in Utica yeah. whatever. And, and uh, it's great. I actually really liked it there. But this was a place where like you, you had to know the code. You had to know the code mm-hmm. word. And it was just in the back of, a, of an actual restaurant. There was absolutely no way that you would have known that this place yeah. ever existed. Um, and, you know, so we went to one of those places. And then we went to another place. Like you said, it sat, I think, I think it was 16, um, at the, at this bar. And it, it was, I mean, it was, I'm, I'm in my office slash second bedroom mm-hmm. here and um, it wasn't much bigger than this. Yeah. And, but it was a um, uh, it was a ramen place and the ramen was out of this world and everything, again, it was in the basement of this other bar restaurant yep. and it was just this experience where you, you left there feeling like you discovered something so awesome. Yep. And again, no advertising was somebody had to tell somebody who had to tell somebody who had to tell you, and said, yeah. "Check this place out." And then you had to get there a half an hour early. So, the experience of that—I mean, the food was amazing, but the experience sure. of the food in, could have been being, bad. Being exclusive and being cool, and it wasn't even that expensive. Yeah. It was just being there was was special, and yep. everything about the experience was special, even though it was simple, small, and uh, and and I think you're going to see that model really play out. Cause like I said, the infrastructure that it must've taken to do something like yeah. this. It's not cheap, was, but, but was, people will pay, was, that's no, what, will be was, what people pay for But it you know? wasn't, it wasn't, that was the beauty of it. No, the, I, this, no I meant so from, from them to, space. you know,
0: this still, this still is a, there's CapEx involved with this, yes, right? It's yes, not, a, yes, it's not course, a hot dog cart.
1: So yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, I think that's where you're going to see, uh, you know, really, that's where you're going to see space utilized. It's going to be space that tantalizes the senses. Uh, makes you feel like you're part of an exclusive party, um, because people are always drawn to that. Um, that's how Facebook got off the ground, yeah. you know. And uh, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be the thing. And to be able to do that cheaply, uh, to be able to do that, and 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 not make people pay through the nose, so that they these places are approachable. That's going to be the real trick yeah um, because not everyone's going to be able to afford the you know the hundred fifty dollars a plate exclusive dining experience, right. um so that's going to be the real trick how to do that on the cheap
0: you know I think that that dovetails nicely, and the last thing that i guess the the kind of big idea that I wanted to to toss around with you as we as we do this back and forth, which is mm-hmm. you know the again i I know we're we're getting kind of like. A little bit of ahead of our skis on a lot of these things. When you know, you and I are in a very privileged position. Like we're yes, in a, a warm definitely. home and an office, Thank and we're goodness. podcasting right now. Yep. You know, and I'm so grateful like,
1: as a human could be. yeah.
0: Let's just acknowledge this point of privilege. Um,
1: I always acknowledge my privilege. Absolutely, I, know, I could not want for anything right now. Even though I, I live pretty pretty humbly, <laughs> right.
0: But I think you know. As, as one of the other things I've, I'm, I'm hoping comes out of this is um, that we, it, I, I'm starting to see it with with folks around us, you know, um, as, as we've been taking walks with the kids and stuff, mm. people are much more likely to say hello yes now, and people are much more likely to ask how you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, what my hope is, is that we have some kind of a fundamental rethinking, or at least, um, a realignment of what value means to us. Mm-hmm. And that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but particularly when it comes to how we, how we spend money. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, we've been, we've been kind of in some ways, doom and gloom on small retail, small yeah. restaurant and bar. But, you know, I also believe that um, one of the things that we're going to start looking at is, um, you know, it's not, it's not businesses necessarily that are just hurting their people. That yeah. are hurting, and we yeah. and that is crystal clear. I think as you look at it, it, the situation that a lot of uh, the folks in our communities are in right now, and mm-hmm. and my hope is, you know, as you see these these gift card drives and these, yeah. um, you know, my hope, and I, th- I think this is going to be true. I think you're going to see a rethinking of um, capital distribution where mm-hmm. we're going to start looking at um, not just crowdfunding but microfinance in a different way, yeah. and I think we're really going to start to pay attention of you know, not just where our dollars go, but who they're going to. Um, that's yeah. my hope. Yeah. Um, I know that we're more conscious right now of um, making decisions about where we're going to spend everything, from where we're going to buy uh, our food from to mm-hmm. um, you know uh, uh, medical and and and, and mm. uh, uh, you know great you know this this gratefulness for the people yeah. that are working at grocery stores and pharmacies mm-hmm. and, amazing you know so it this could be a sea change in terms of you know i've been here let's get a mm-hmm. national holiday for grocery store working. like let's yeah. pay them yeah. a living wage let's pay them yes. a living wage first but you know um what what are, what are your thoughts on that do you think that that's a, a potential outcome of this and and yeah I mean, have you seen I that just, at all
1: I just published a, a blog piece, interesting, just about, you mentioned, you know, grocery store workers, that, you know, cashiers, yeah. uh, drive-through workers. Um, you know, I just I just posted something about this yesterday is, you know, it, it's really interesting because just a few months ago, we were talking about, oh, can't pay these people a livable wage. What have they done? You know, they're just flunkies and dropouts and whatever, and 17-year-olds working on summer Now their life's on the line. Now they're on the front lines. Now they're putting their, literally, their lives and the lives and health of the people around them, of their families and friends. Uh, you know, at risk every day, making next to nothing, definitely not a livable wage, so that we can sit in our homes and yep. order Instacart, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, right, uh, right. delivery folks, um, you know, whatever. And, and listen, I'm doing this. I, we, we've ordered out a bunch and, and things like that. I Again, I, I acknowledge the privilege, but, you know, we also you know, go to the grocery stores. We see these folks working. I hope, like you said, now we start to, you know, respect uh, the jobs that everybody does, uh, we, you know, it's, it's time to stop looking down our noses at at, at people uh, that we think that have less uh, education, less of a job. Um, you know, whatever people, everyone's just trying to get by, man. And and it's the the, the sometimes the lack of appreciation for that is is, is astounding. And I, I hope I hope you are right, and I think you are right. I believe that we will. At least for the time being, uh, kind of repurpose our 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 personal resources, whether it be financial, whether it be time, um, you know, whatever that is, uh, whether it's our care or attention. I think you're going to see, yes, a, a, an absolute repurposing of of what we place value on, and that's going to be the thing. What what do we what are we finding in this time that we truly value? And I'm talking to a lot of people. Uh, our age. And uh, especially, you know, folks that have kids, and it's really interesting. I hear this again, they say, it's really hard in this time to, um, you know, have the kids at home and be working remotely and and whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, heck, we've got two cats, we don't have kids, we've got two cats. And I don't know if you can hear them meowing in the background, they're probably driving my my wife nuts. But, um, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to, f- they're fighting and getting into stuff and we're trying to, you know, do business calls. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're all dealing with. But what's interesting is I've heard from so many people that say, you know what, it's, it's a new stress. It's a different stress, but it's better than driving my kids around to 20 different places every day. It's different than commuting 16 miles every day to my work and 16 miles home. And by the way, picking up and dropping off the kids at daycare and then taking them to soccer and then taking them to music lessons and then taking, you know, now they're doing all that stuff here. And while it's stressful and people still need an opportunity to get out and do stuff, um, I think you're going to see, I hope, I hope If there's one thing that I hope. If the people stop jamming their lives with this stuff, with all these activities and, and burning these kids out and burning themselves out uh, and feeling like they've got to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, just to just to break even, just to you know live a, a normal life. Um, I hope people start living a little closer together, or closer to jobs or resources, uh, instead of realizing that you know and realizing that that in this time it's it's nicer when you don't have to commute. Um, you know that's that is my hope. Will that be a reality? I don't know. But like you said, I really, really, truly believe that this gives all of us. A chance to reevaluate what's really valuable in our life and what's really worth continuing onto the next chapter uh, when this uh, hopefully gets gets uh, gets mitigated.
0: I'm going to leave that there. Uh, where can <laughs> where can where can people find you online? If they want to connect yes. with you.
1: Go to theurbanphoenix.com. You can check out the blog there. Uh, you can also go uh, to the podcast through the through the. Uh, uh, through the blog. Uh, there's a link at the top there and that's really starting to gain momentum. I'm enjoying that, but, uh, I love your podcast, Ryan. Seriously, thanks, man. I, I'm, I'm always honored to be on this is my second time on here. And you are somebody that thinks about communities, that thinks about people, that thinks about trends in a way that I think is really, really unique. So I, 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 I can't say enough. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thanks man. I
0: appreciate it. You know, you, you're a wealth of knowledge and, and, uh, <laughs> you know it's it's funny because i think you Thanks. and i both are sometimes feel like we're just armchair quarterback in it you know yeah. um sure but, sure uh, absolutely it's a good way but you bring a lot of value in, in in an approachable way to you know uh, uh urbanism right sure and, and uh so you know it's always great to to talk to you and we'll we'll, we'll do it again i still want to do a train podcast or an e-boarding podcast when all when all this oh, shit is over i'm coming out and i'm bringing amazing. the board and we're just gonna go let's board do around for a
1: while let's rip it up man
0: Want to thank Arian for giving me some of his time. It's good to just, good to just have a, a, a good conversation with someone that you uh, that you're interested in talking to that I respect. He was easy, and uh, we'll have him back on the pod. Apparently, we're gonna we're gonna cross pollinate. He says I want he wants to have me on his podcast, which I'm very excited about as well. But want to thank Arian for his time, and uh, hope you guys check out his blog and his podcast. And um, gonna be doing a couple shorties coming up. But I uh, uh, appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Thanks for the feedback on the Facebook Live. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do that again. And um, I guess that's it. Till we talk again, please be safe uh,
1: and have a great week.